Hello everyone, here is Daniel Budai with a new episode of our e-commerce podcast. And today I'm here with uh, Kimball Angerman, and uh, he's the executive vice president at uh, Optivida Health. And uh, this is a uh, health-focused uh, company with a very interesting story of the founder and the whole company. And we will discuss these today and also how they have grown uh, recently and also what's their plan to grow further in the next few years. So all of that uh, we will discuss today. Hey, Kimball, how are you today? I'm great. Thank you. So I don't know where to start. So many topics. Um, I think uh, let's start with you. So please tell us more about your past. When did you join the company before? What did you do and how how did you end up in e-commerce? Yeah, good question. I um, I had worked out of college. I worked for Apple Computer, and uh, so they moved me around the Western United States, and I ended up living in California for many years. And then uh, after after that ended, and I, ha- I had a little consulting company helping people who were just trying to figure out how to how to do learning better. My job at Apple was in their training department, so I was trying to help people. Um, and companies figure out how to best train their employees. So I got into a lot of behavioral neuroscience, um, the, the behavior of, of customers and, and people. And that eventually led me to uh, um, to meeting up with the founder of the company here at Optivita Health, whose name was Frank Davis. And he uh, has been in in the uh, world of of health and educate and education and helping people find their health for many years, so the partnership fell together pretty quickly. So I've been here for about almost four years now, and the mm-hmm. the company, as far as Optivita Health is concerned, has been here about five years. Mm-hmm. So I, I met up with Frank pretty early after his beginning of Optivita Health. Yeah, so Frank is the founder of the company, and uh... yes. What what is his story? So why did he uh, launch this company? And uh, I'm also curious if this is his first business or he's a serial entrepreneur. Yeah, it, uh, it probably helps to know upfront before we talk about his background that he is a serial entrepreneur. He's probably had owned maybe uh, 12, 15 businesses we counted one time. He's been successful with all of them and many of them still stand as in the other iterations like the beginning of, um, of one of the companies that he started ended up with as overstock.com and another business he started is now one of the largest in the state of Utah is one of the largest uh, classified ad, online classified ads. And mm-hmm. he began all those businesses, but what got him into the health and nutrition area was his own personal adventure where he was, he was trying to find out the cause of some of the, his own health issues. And these, all these health issues that he had, uh, led him to a series of discoveries and a meeting with, with people who were experts, scientists, bioengineers, to help him. And he finally discovered some major truths about the way the body works that helped him to say the answer to most of what the body needs is found in whole foods, and it's going to be found in whole food nutrition. And if we give the body the right nutrients it heals itself and so with that discovery about 35 years ago he set off on a quest to help other people who needed the the same kind of discovery and the same products 
And what he found was most of the companies, uh, most of what he needed for his body was not being produced by other companies. There was uh, lots of smoke and mirrors, a lot of, uh, of under misunderstandings and mistruths about what would heal the body and help the body. So that led him to um, a series of companies in the nutrition area. And the final one that he's worked on here is Optivita the Health, which is probably the premier company. It's now got the best of the best and the, and the best understanding of how the body works and what products will help the body. Mm -hmm. So he had his own uh, issue in the past and then he looked for the solution and he used all of his network resources and uh, eventually he started the company itself, which right. can help other people as well. And the other thing is, as you said, Whole Foods, um, I think someone said it, uh, that food is actually medicine, maybe an ancient yes. Greek philosopher, but, That's right. but food is medicine. And actually, I really agree with this. I uh, also try to eat, you know, some kind of food which may sound exotic for people, but actually they help your health tremendously. Right. So sounds like your approach at Optivida is something similar. That's exactly right. Yes. So how many products do you have? And... Uh, and do you sell in the US? Uh, who is the target audience? Let's talk about the products and the audience. Right, yeah. Because we, um, we're pretty picky, or Frank is really picky about products we, that we pick, his philosophy is if, if it helps me, uh, then I want, I want, and I want to help other people, I'll sell it. If it's not working for me, then I'm not going to sell it to other people. Mm -hmm. So we only have about 18 products, and our, because of the expense of shipping things, Elsewhere to other countries, we're a U.S.-based company, and our customers are here in the U.S. Yeah, and you know what's interesting is that, that most of our customers come from a base of people who've tried a bunch of other things, maybe even prescription doctor-recommended things that have not worked because they were they're synthetic, they're pharmaceutical things yeah. that have side effects, and what they're finding is they come to us as when you give the body straight out of the earth what it was supposed to have, it it does things that chemicals and synthetics can't do. Yeah, that's great. Um, and who is your primary audience? So they are the, the elderly or the young people as well? Um, is there a typical audience? Yeah, you know, there, we uh, we started kind of our one of our big breaks in life was that we got we became friends with a televangelist who has a huge market and um, his people were really hungry for things that would help their health. And that gave us, we inherited that uh, demographic of those customers who were 55 years and older, uh, mostly women, but very concerned about their health. But since we have done more of our own marketing and more of our own adventure, we find that that same audience of 55 plus really is a big demographic, but now we find there's the younger people, 25 to 40 years old, who are really, really interested in, in their body being pure and clean and well taken care of. They gravitate to our products really fast also. So we have mm -hmm. kind of a dual audience that we are, are talking to at any time. Ones that are very tech savvy and very uh, with the digital world. And then those who who on our older audience, they still call in a lot because they don't have computers or don't want to use computers and they still like to talk to somebody directly. So we have mm -hmm. two audiences. 
Interesting. And uh, I know your products, they were on TV as well. Right. So I guess this is more uh, relevant for the older audience, not to talk about teenagers nowadays. They are barely, uh, or they watch Netflix say, if they watch the TV right. uh, or, or they use their phones. But I'm curious how this helped your brand and, uh, and, and what's your experience with TV advertising? Because many online marketers, most of them, they are skeptical. They say that it's hard to measure TV. They, they say it's too expensive. So I'm curious, what's your experience with TV? You know, um, I think we, we discovered early on that, and well, to answer your question, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back up and talk about why why TV is different and why we needed TV. Mm-hmm. Our, if, if you put our products on a shelf in a store, then, and we have a, we all have a higher price tag because our products become either so hard to get and so hard to make because they're not synthetic. They're not um, toxic materials. And, and because they're more expensive and natural, they're, they cost more on a shelf. It's hard to com- People can't really tell why our product would be different or better than than somebody else's. Yeah. So with that in mind, that you can't put things on the shelf, we were really looking for, and Frank calls this the um, narrative solution, meaning that in order to tell people why we're different and better and uh, uh, good for them, you need two or three minutes of of time. You can you're not going to get that on a, a label on a shelf, and so TV was uh, the best place to do that and so we've you know you can do that through email you can do it through another a number of other places but it's harder to do a, a longer form narrative if you're just uh, in print only or you know be on facebook and other places in instagram people say you know if you can't catch their attention within five seconds you're not going to catch them well with a yeah. longer story that doesn't work as well so podcasts and tv shows work much better for us yeah, interesting. I, I would definitely say the same that Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, these are not for, you know, telling a long story, three minutes, let's say. Yes. Uh, with email, I would argue, I think it, it can yeah, be yeah. good. Uh, yeah. p- if the storytelling, the copywriting is good, then people, they will read it. Yes. Uh, and TV, pod- especially podcast, I, I agree. That's great for deep content. And yeah. people, they will watch that. You're right. And I think for email, it, it we we had to make a discovery along the way that we had to get the right email list and we had to get the right people, but then they will read long form through. Mm-hmm. So I totally agree with you. But early on, some of our early mistakes we made were was that we were treating email like we were treating Instagram and Facebook, mm-hmm. really fast, quick message, no depth. And that doesn't work for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also education on the website so taking actually yeah. from email you can take them to a blog or an educational article something like that that's right yes exactly yeah. right um and i know um you are only e-commerce right so you you actually don't sell in physical stores if i know it well that's right yeah yeah for the same reason we just talked about we we tried that and we found that unless um well, we had we did have an early, really good experience with a brick and mortar where we went in and trained the employees of the company. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, our our uh, CEO tells the story that he went in and trained all these store employees, and they were so sold on our products that they quit selling every 
other things, many other things that they had in the store. And the store owner finally came and said, we can't sell your product anymore because the wow. things I ma- the things I make the most money on, we're not selling. And your the margins on yours aren't as, aren't as good. So we can't sell your product any longer. And that was a good lesson for us that when hmm. people put, um, you know, you have to make a margin. But when yeah. margin becomes your mission, that's the only thing you care about then you're not going to sell the, our products. And yeah. we've, we've said that our, our mission is not margin. Our mission mm-hmm. is to help people. So we don't have the same margins as other people. Yeah. And then you stopped working with this company. Yep. Interesting. Yep. That's a great story. Um, so let's talk about the marketing side even more. So what channels do you use to attract the eyeballs? How people, how, how do they discover you? Most of, uh, we do a lot of social media things to grab their attention. And like you said, we try to lead them back to a landing page or, or some other mm-hmm. educational piece. So we're using um, Google, Facebook, Instagram to get, to get that top interest uh, attention. And then we guide them in. We have a YouTube channel where, and YouTube, as we know, will allow a little bit longer uh, form. So we have one to one minute up to an hour long videos on our YouTube channel. And okay. we get some attention from there. We, we have blog articles that we send and, and quite a big um, email audience. We probably have, you know, it's interesting. We've gathered names along the way and we find that our email list is probably is populated by at least 25 to 30% of people who've never bought our products. They're still in the educational, um, which was a big surprise to us. We thought if we got their email address, they must have bought from us at some point. Mm-hmm. No, not necessarily. We, they're, they're still trying to get educated and they like what we say. And so they're sticking around for emails. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things what I can uh, see a lo- many times when I talk to an e-commerce company who don't do email marketing or not much, um, almost all of that list, uh, like the whole list, they are buyers because that's the only way how you uh, collect subscribers at the checkout or when they purchase. Right. And actually, those companies who are very good at email marketing, they have probably even more uh, subscribers who never purchase from you because right. you collect emails from so many different ways. Pop-ups, landing pages, even YouTube. So there are different ways. And then you try to convert them. You try to get them to buy. So right. that's just something interesting. Yeah, it really think. is. And we're, we've learned, learned that same lesson. So I agree with you totally. So actually, let's talk about email and, uh, and maybe SMS and all of these channels. So once you have those uh, eyeballs and, and subscribers and they already discovered you, what's the next step? What channels do you use? And how do you use email marketing? Yeah, uh, once we have their eyeballs, um, email marketing is the is the big tool we have. It's it's more than eighty percent of what we do, and and SMS along with we we use uh, the vendor we use for we use uh, Clavio, so we're we're using their SMS and we're using their email, so we use them both together. I think our SMS group is probably about fifteen twenty percent of our total email population have said yes we'll we'll give you a phone number also oh wow so, that's great and we had to you know it was one of the biggest things we learned along the way was 
that we needed to figure out what our personality is as a company, our values. Our values were yeah. there, but we had to have a voice and we had to have multiple voices and we and testing the multiple voices with our audience, we found there was a mix of voices they wanted to hear from. Um, they loved our CEO and he's a good educator. They, um, but they, they also need a younger um, person that we, so we made up a, we made up a person who is not really an employee, but we named her and, and she sends out messages that are more um, action oriented. Here's what's going on. Here's your account. She knows what they're buying, what they're not buying. She can talk to them more personal about what's on their account. And they like that. They like that personal attention. And, but Frank's voice is not that right voice for those messages. And then they like kind of our, an influencer, educator, uh, scientist voice. So we have a, the mix of those voices. So on Sundays, we send out emails from the, our influencer voice, the one that's saying, here's what science is saying. Here's what we're reading. Here's the latest things for your health. That has nothing to do with our company necessarily. It's just, here's mm -hmm. the industry and here's what's good for your health. And then Frank tells them, here's products and why they'll help you. And then Jessica is telling him, here's what you need to buy. Here's what you haven't bought. Here's some specials going on. And the, the mix of those, finding out what our audience would uh, would like, gave us the fewest numbers of people who were, would unsubscribe during, a, you know, over the course of weeks and months, they would stay with us because they're getting a mix of voices that is helpful for them and not too um, salesy and not too distant, kind of a mix of those things. That was a big education for us. It took us a while to dial in on that, but it's been helpful now. Very interesting. And I really like this approach that you realize that you need two personalities into your emails. One younger Jessica and, uh, and the CEO and founder, uh, uh, right. Frank as well. So that's something very interesting. Um, I would have a few, maybe more personal questions about, about, you know, your history with the company. Right. So what was the biggest, uh, moment for you, the biggest milestone that you are the most proud of in the last four years in this company? You know, I, th I think the thing, the biggest um, moment we had was when we decided we had gone through, um, well, to back up your, your, to get your, to the heart of your question, I'm not a digital marketer by, um, by career. So that was getting into the, the digital space took some education. And so that meant we hired a series of vendors that would help bring in to help us. And the one thing that uh, the big growth opportunity for me was, was learning that unless these vendors um, were willing to do a performance-based work for us, or unless they were willing to, to learn with us and not apply the same rules they'd apply to every other company they didn't work with, then we tended to churn through them really fast. Which meant that I had the the challenge for me was learning digital marketing well enough um, to to hire people. I had to know more the, as at least as much about the business I was hiring as I as the people I was hiring, and I didn't do I didn't know that right away. So I had to do a lot of education about what is digital marketing and what does return on ad spend mean, and why is that different than mm -hmm. advertising cost of spend and 
Um, and knowing the KPIs and knowing all, how digital marketing worked and knowing the voices that you'd use in different channels and what the different channels were, such a huge challenge for me. Um, and the the biggest, I think the biggest um, success we had was we, um, at one point we had a, company, a vendor that came to us and they wanted to offer us some of their digital marketing services. And knowing that I had to know as much about it as they did, I said, I don't want to hire your company. I want to hire you to be my coach. So you mm. will do, you will do, um, you'll teach me to do what your employees do for me. Would you do that? And luckily this, the CEO of that company said, yeah, I'll, I'll take you on. And so every week I had a lesson from him on what he would teach his employees to do for me. And I liked that because I knew more what, our company needed that any of his employees would. And I got the education of digital marketing from him in a way that I was never going to get from a book. So that was a, a huge moment and it really impacted the way we, we did uh, our marketing from then on. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I, I really like this consultation or mentoring type of cooperations and, uh, Right. On our end, we also do it with many companies because we understand not everyone wants implementation. They have the resources, the right people, but they want to learn how to do it and uh, they need something to give them the know-how. So yeah, that, that's great. And they help you with all aspects of digital marketing? They oversee all of these or just a specific area? They, in, that, in that area, they were, we were doing um, a deeper dive on social media and mm -hmm. influencer marketing. And uh, so he kind of mentored me for a few months until we felt like we were had enough information to be more independent. So that was that was a phase that we were going through. Um, that was a, few, a year or two ago when we were mm -hmm. getting up to speed on those areas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My next question, so what was the biggest pitfall or, or something that not today you would do it differently in the past few years? Yeah, it's and I would say the biggest pitfall we had was related to what I've been talking about was us trusting other um, other companies to know what we needed. For example, we had a, a few years ago, it's been two years ago now, we had some friends of our CEO that said, you know what you really need? You need an infomercial because you guys, you really need a longer format to explain your product and you need... You know, so we're going to get you on a 30 minute infomercial. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that? And it sounded perfect. It sounded absolutely ideal. And it mm -hmm. turned out to be a, a very bad idea. We, we lost, we lost a lot of money in that. We didn't get back. And the, I think the learning took us, it took us a few months to figure out what was going wrong. But I the, I was, we were on a Zoom call because it was during COVID and lockdown and everything. So the Zoom call, and we had three or four agencies that were working together, one that was buying media, one that was producing our content for the for the actual infomercial. And then we had a, a, a company that was acting as our phone service and ans answering mm -hmm. to get customer calls. We had all these people on the on the Zoom call. And we were discussing the idea that it wasn't working. We weren't making money. That we weren't getting the flood of people. And um, and kind of in a moment of inspiration, the CEO looked around at everybody who's on the Zoom call and he said, "Okay, you guys have you have you are in the target market for the product we're selling. And how many of you are using it? And none of them. 
said they were using it. And he said, I think there's the problem is mm -hmm. that you, you are treating us like a, a product that's good for somebody else. So the copy you're writing is for somebody else. The media you're buying is for somebody else. And he says, it's actually for you. If you're not writing copy that would convince you to buy it, if you're not writing, and if you're not in with us. So we were learning that there was too many vendors who just take on the idea that we'll, we'll fix your problem the way we fixed 10,000 other people's problems. That was learning for us because we said, no, we don't need people who are industry experts. We need partners who understand us. And so we quit doing business with people who don't actually believe or use or want to, you know, if they're in our target market, they should be believers too. And it yeah. took us a while to figure that out. Huge pitfall. We wasted a lot of money, um, but we're past that now. So now you prefer those people and vendors who are your target market, actually, and they yeah. would buy, they would use your product as well, yep. right? Yep. Because they bring us back ideas and say, you know what, here's the way I'd market that, or here's the way I would put that ad out. And it's because I discovered or I, my wife and I were talking about this and we said, wouldn't this be great? Well, you're not going to get that from somebody who just views you as a, as a vacuum cleaner or a, some other widget that they're going to they're gonna mm -hmm. sell to somebody and they're not personally invested in it anyway. Yeah, so yeah. a big change. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure this helps to understand your, uh, your product, your positioning, what you stand for all of these if someone already uses your product. Do you get uh, requests, emails from people that I use your product, I would love to work for you, I would love to help you. Do you get this type of email? Yeah, we do, yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. that's, that's great. Um, what I also noticed that you work with vendors, subcontractors, so this is the approach that you have internally. You want to have a lean team and you prefer working with vendors, so you don't really want to have too many employees. Is this something that the company has, this mindset? Yeah, it is. Um, we, we, we know what our, I think I explained to our cost of, uh, cost of goods, COGS, is, um, is pretty high because it's, mm -hmm. for just for example, we sell a vitamin C that's not, not ascorbic acid. Ascorbic acid is actually not complete vitamin C. It's only part of it. But yeah, nobody yeah. knows that. In the, and one the of best, my favorite topics, by the way. <laughs> is it? Yeah. Yeah. So the one it's of the crazy. best. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it, that people think they're buying vitamin C, but they're buying ascorbic acid. It's the outer shell of vitamin C. If it was, if vitamin C was a football team, ascorbic acid might be a linebacker but it's not the major player even. And yeah. so if you go into a football team, go into a football game and you only have a linebacker and the other team has a full team, you're not going to win. And so we tell people, you want the whole team. So the vitamin C we sell is, um, is, from, a, is from acerola cherries because mm -hmm. they have a, high, a really high vitamin C content um, that's already there. But that product costs... Um, about a hundred times per kilo what ascorbic acid costs. Yeah. So on a shelf, we can't we can't compete, you know. And so that um, because of that, having a high cost of goods to answer your question, why do we use vendors? Is because we have to be really really lean, and we find that we get the right vendor, they can probably do things faster and cheaper than an employee would do. Mm -hmm. On some things, on some other areas, it's better to have an employee. But um, we like our customer support. We have they have to be employees and be long term educated. Mm -hmm. But other people, not as much. So we're 
we're always looking for vendors that that know our business or can know our business and get in pretty quick and help us out. Yeah, it's a never-ending question. I think some brands, they prefer employees because uh, they understand the brand voice better. That's their opinion. Uh, some other people, they think agencies are more expensive than employees. So it's a never-ending story, I think. Yep. And yeah. 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 And regarding the vitamin C, my origins are from Hungary. And uh, maybe you know Albert Sanjorgi, and uh, I think he he was the scientist who got a Nobel Prize for vitamin C or discovering vitamin C. That's why I'm so sensitive about this topic. Yeah, Um, (laughs) yeah, just a side topic. So um, I'm curious, what are your favorite tools in digital marketing? Maybe if you can mention a few. Yeah. you know, our, probably our most powerful tool, the one that accounts for more more of our uh, revenue, more percentage of revenue than anything, is mm-hmm. our email. And uh, okay. that's so we're using Clavio for that. We've t- we tested a few others, and, and Clavio just integrated better with Shopify, and it seemed to have the right ways of tweaking it. So it Clavio's got is probably one of our major major tools that we use. I and it's our favorite. We think they're they do a good job with the tool. Mm-hmm. And we also found that with our market, we're always trying to keep it interesting for our customers, like week to week, month to month. So having little pop-up sales or having um, some other things that we will give them a discount and apply it to a certain a landing page and so forth, That's uh, Shopify doesn't do that natively very well at all. So we found a tool that we really like that's a little app called Ultimate, Ultimate Special Offers. And okay. it really has a lot of brains to it. So it can help you figure out uh, a series of specials you could run. And they can run simultaneously. If you can run a, a tiered uh, ad, I mean, tiered sale. If you if you spend $50, you get this much discount. If you spend $100, you get this much discount. You spend $200, you get this much. That's actually a layering of of um, of specials that they allow uh, you to, to do that's really unique, and we really like their approach to it. So I would I'd say that's a, a really powerful tool, pretty inexpensive to get. Then we um, we found two two tools that kind of work together. Since about thirty, oh, sorry, what was the name of the previous one? The previous uh, one was called me. Ultimate Special Offers. Okay, I will check it out. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, I think I mentioned to you that um, about 30, 35% of our customers are, are still phone-in customers. They like to talk and want to, and they do better. So we need some, we needed tools that better help that. And we found that was there was a customer support tool that we like called Gorgeous. Um, yeah. And it's spelled more like Gorgias, but it's spelled, I I think, pronounced Gorgias. But uh, that tool really integrates really well with with Shopify and our other apps we're using. So when our customer support people get an email, it pulls up the customer's history and they know what, what the customer bought, when they bought it, what the reward points are. It connects everything up really, really well. And then we um, we switched over to a, a phone system that's that's um, cloud-based called AirCall, mm-hmm. and AirCall works with Gorgeous and it works with Shopify. So when a phone call comes in, 
it knows if that customer is bought from us so we can pull up the customer's history before we answer the phone. And we're ready to address them by name and know any issues they have and know probably why they're calling before we answer the phone. So AirCall and and Gorgeous kind of connected make a really smart solution for our phone system. And I, we, I really like those too also. Yeah. It's great to hear that you are a company, not just who is online, but people, they can call you. I think more companies, yeah. they should do it. And I agree, Gorgeous and AirCall, I'm aware of both tools. They do a great job. I think, uh, and Clevio as well, there was this ultimate, uh, I, I, oh. I took a note of this and we yes. will put this into the show notes so everyone can find it. But that's something I will check out because, yeah, I haven't heard about it yet. That's a good one. I have one more question to you. So if you have to give an advice to someone who just started out with e-commerce, what would be your one piece of advice to that person? You know, I think the um, the biggest impact I think that uh, we had, the biggest change we had was a mental shift and kind of a physical shift in the way we did marketing. And it was really from our CEO who said, let's uh, let's do the customer journey as, as much as we can do the customer journey. And which meant that every time we launched a new product, we would sit as though we were a customer and start answering questions and proposing problems or things that the customer is thinking of. So really taking the view of the customer and uh, and call and take the customer journey probably uh, changed more for us. And I think it would change more for, for people getting involved. And the reason I say that is because as we just discussed, there is so many, there are so many vendors and there are so many tools and there is such an, a wealth of advice for you but knowing which vendor you need, knowing what 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 uh, tools you need, is really better best answered once you understand exactly what the customer is going through and why they're going through that and having those issues. You mm-hmm. really get a finely tuned piece of uh, of your your market, your business model is really finely tuned that way. So I would say uh, cus- focus on customer journey as much as you can. And, and other things will be much easier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you mentioned before, you, your ultimate goal is not the margin, but helping people. And I think once you have that mindset, it really drives all of your actions, uh, including yeah. focusing on a customer journey, asking questions as if you were the customer. And you are a customer, actually, right. as yep. you said before, and your vendors. So, yep. yeah, I think that's a very valuable advice to everyone. It is. Um, Thank you, Kimball, for uh, sharing your story today and the company's story. And thanks everyone who listened to us or watched us today and later uh, the podcast. And uh, every week we come out with a new episode, so stay tuned. In the show notes, I will put the link of the company, Optivida Health, and you can go and check out their uh, high-quality products. And also in the show notes, you will find a 50-point checklist. It's a completely free document you can download and you can audit your own e-commerce email marketing. So thanks again, everyone. Thanks, Kimball, and uh, have a great day. Thank you.